The uh, title of my sermon today is, Whatever He Says to You, Do It. Now, um, this, of course, is from uh, the wedding uh, at Cana, where Jesus turns the water into wine, and uh, the mother of Jesus is uh, saying this to the, the people in, uh, in, in the room there. Uh, you Often, I think of it, it's the other way around. Whatever your mother says, you do it. <laughs> <laughs> in this case, the mother's saying, listen to what he says. You know, I don't know if my mother ever said that to me. Listen to what my son has to say. You know. But uh, most of the time, I, I think of it the other way around. I'm telling you what you should do, okay? But um, so anyhow, as we read this in John chapter 2, on the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. When the wine ran out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Woman, what does that have to do with us? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Whatever he says to you, do it. Now there's more to the story which we'll get to, but whenever we look at this particular statement, it is a very difficult one. Even whenever you read the commentaries, whenever Jesus is saying uh, woman, and which is a very legitimate, very um, endearing comment. It isn't like, hey, woman, you know. <laughs> it's, a, it's a very endearing comment that he says when he calls his mother uh, woman. And when he says, what does that have to do with us? Now, you can't find, I couldn't find, in all the years of Mother's Day and reading these, these particular passages and so on, no one really has a, a concrete idea as to why Jesus would say this. Is it a challenging one? Is it a one that's saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Mom. <laughs> it's not time for me to do such things. Or um, is it that <clears throat> Mary has overstepped her bounds? Uh, we don't really know, and I don't believe it is that Mary has overstepped her bounds. But... Um, we, we look at this and, and we begin to understand that this is this whole statement that there was no wine. Now, sometimes we would look at um, the everyday needs. Okay, we, you know, to us, you go to a wedding reception, where do we go? We go to the fire hall or the church basement or, you know, some uh, restaurant or some resort and... Uh, we, ha we have this wedding reception and everybody's there. You know, our biggest concern is there are enough cookies, you know. <laughs> but most, most of the country hasn't a clue what cookies are. Did you know that? We went out to, whenever we went out to David and uh, Jenny's wedding in uh, Missouri, we, we asked, well, do you want us to bring cookies? And, they, and Jenny's mom said, well, uh, well uh, no, no, that's all right. So whenever we all got there, she had a tray of cookies in everybody's room. <laughs> you know, they don't have cookies at the reception. You know, what do you do with a wedding reception without cookies, you know? So all the traditions are different, and all the, um, some of the things that we expect to, to be in place are sometimes just our traditions. Well, at this, at this place in time, this being running out of wine, running out of um, the, the drink that they have, was considered a big, big mistake. I mean, the, the community is invited, and this would be a mistake or a blot 
upon their marriage. It would be some of them that would be there. Wow, it must not be meant to be. They ran out of wine. You know, it's like, you know, and, and they, would, they would make statements like that. So their entire married life would be, hit by, would be remembered by this mistake. There wasn't enough uh, wine for the, for the reception. Well, we, when we look at how that Jesus responds, he says, my hour hasn't yet come. Most of the time, whenever we think of the hour, uh, Jesus is referring to his death. Uh, some, you know, for the hour of his uh, crucifixion and, and that. Some think of it as, in just a few weeks, uh, John the Baptist is going to uh, recognize Jesus as the Messiah. Maybe that's the hour that Jesus is referring to. But whatever the hour is, there is the need. And the need is that some young couple is going to have the stigma of someone's inability to provide, have enough wine on hand for the, for the reception, for this big event. So that stigma is going to be with them for their entire life, and Jesus is moved by the little things of our life. And, you know, you know, for us, we don't think of it as, well, you know, they ran out of cookies, you know, somebody didn't bake enough cookies. We were at one, <laughs> we were at uh, one wedding, uh, and the, um, the people, they brought in all the cookies the night before, and, because they had a wedding reception there, and the people that were there the night before took all their cookies. <laughs> So when the family showed up for the cookies the next day at the reception, we were there. There were no cookies. The, the, the night before, they used them. So, hey, you know, they found some free cookies in the refrigerator or something. So I don't know what they thought, but <laughs> we didn't have cookies. And that's been something I've remembered ever since. <laughs> you know, they ran out of cookies. What's that? Yeah, this is a blessing. Yeah, well, we got free cookies, you know. So, Jesus then is, uh, it's kind of like the ordinary, the ordinary need, but yet in an extraordinary situation. But a crisis for a couple is a crisis for any of our lives. And how that, well, you know, we don't want to bother Jesus, you know. <laughs> I don't want to say, you know, that this is too big, too great, too small. It's just me. But see, that's the whole point, that when your mother <laughs> looks at you, you're not just a child, you're her daughter, you're her son. And to your mother, <laughs> you know, the, you, know the, you, you heard the expression, that kid has a face only a mother could love. Uh, you know, that you have, you, <laughs> only a mother could care for this one. Well, you know, a mother's eyes, what, are ones that see things entirely different that a mother's eyes are the ones that, that see things in a way, in a perspective that just understands perhaps what their son or their daughter is like. And when Jesus is confronted, when Mary brings this to, to Jesus, we know that, um, well, tradition has it that Joseph has already died because he's nowhere in the picture. And Jesus is the eldest son. And perhaps when Mary is talking to Jesus, it's like, can you find, can you do something about this? It isn't that she was pushing him into a miracle. She was, she knew that Jesus was this guy who kind of always found th ways to make things happen. Not in the miraculous part, part, because he didn't start that until 
the, until this event right here. But Jesus was that resourceful person that no matter what went wrong, he was able to work it out. Any one of, you know, any of you that way? <laughs> you're the one, if something goes wrong, you're the one they call for. You know, when everything's right, you don't mount to nothing, you know. But when th- something goes wrong, you're the first one on the speed dial, you know. Well, I think that Mary is, is, is the same way here with Jesus. He's, he's the speed dial, you know. That's who he is for us, right? <laughs> Jesus, hey, he got our attention, you know. So, and, and also, this is uh, a third hand, third party. We have the bridegroom. Then we have Mary looking at the situation. The bridegroom has a, has a disaster going on here. And Mary looking at the disaster and Mary interpreting that disaster to Jesus. <laughs> now, I don't know if you've ever heard, got things third hand. <laughs> but generally, when things are third hand, they are completely out of proportion. <laughs> You know, have you heard, you know, it's like we're, we, we moved over to Laurelview and uh, I, I go to introduce myself and they say, oh, we already know, we've heard about you. <laughs> I don't know if it's good or bad, I, you know, we've already heard about you, you know, so okay. <laughs> so you just never know, we've heard. So I didn't tell them. So they've heard it at least third or fourth or fifth or tenth hand about who we, who you are. But Jesus now is receiving this information from his mother, and his mother, and we have this situation tainted, or as it were, interpreted by Mary. Now, Mary isn't, uh, you know, again, Mary's this very, very, very special person. I mean, there's, there's no way around it. You know, Mary is the, the woman God chose to bear her son. So she is different. <laughs> she is highly favored. And some of the things that we see going on with Mary is that the things that God had given to her and spoken to her, she kept them and pondered them in her heart. Okay? She kept them in her heart because it was these things she knew in her heart that was going to keep her in the places where her son would go that she had no idea why. And, in, and for us, there is this knowledge of God that we have in our heart that keeps us when things go to a place that we have no idea why. You know, that's whenever the uh, things happen in the pit of your stomach and your whole thing, your whole life just kind of falls, feels like it's falling apart. That something difficult has happened, something, you know, something tragic has happened and the whole, everything just kind of goes numb. And, and you look at this, and, 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 and this is, it's in that place of numbness, that place of emptiness, that place of, of fear, of, of, of something so tragic that everything just seems to be in, 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 in a pausing place of nothingness. That's where the things that we've treasured, hidden away in our heart, are going to keep us. You know, I, I, I looked up the, the song. I know it's a Christmas song, but Mary, did you know? <laughs> Mary, did you know your baby boy would, only, would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that he would save our sins and our daughters? That he's come to make us new? This child that you delivered will soon deliver you. We, he will give sight to the blind, would calm the storm with his hand. Your baby boy would one day walk on water. 
that he would walk where angels trod? When we kissed your baby boy, you kissed the face of God. The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak. He is the Lord of all creation. Your baby boy would one day rule all nations. Your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb. The sleeping child you're holding is the great I am. You know, when we think of the great I am, we, th- we need to see how that the things that we ponder in our heart that God has given to us are the things that have come to us from the great I am. You know, I always uh, question, you know, whenever uh, Moses and God speaks to him, who is, who, who is it that I can say has sent me? And God says, tell him I am that I am has sent you. And it's like, what is I am that I am? <laughs> while we have to kind of go into the New Testament to look back at, I am your healer, I am your savior, I am your promise keeper, I am the good shepherd, I am the life, I am, I am the giver of life. See, I am. Whatever your need is, God is that I am to you. And these are the things that we harbor, we hinder, not hinder, we, we hold in our hearts that hold us whenever things go wrong. So Mary says to the, to the disciples or to the, the people, the waiters, as it were, at the, the reception, that his servants, he says, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, she's, we don't know what the why, again, has to what Jesus meant when he said, woman, what does that have to do with us? It's like we're removed from this situation, mom, if anything ever happened, like in our church or with our family, my mom was always, you know, there to help bring it all together and help the sisters and brothers and all their, you know, their conflicts. She was always there to, to get involved, and I would, I'd be there. Mom, what's that have to do with us? <laughs> you know, why are you, why are you helping them out? You know, why? And my mother would always say that relationships are more important than anything else. The relationships that she had with her sisters were more important than anything else. And I think she understood this from a perspective of that whenever her best friend, her older brother, or younger brother, I don't know, he's right, he was right next to her, he was killed in a mine explosion. My dad's brother and my mother's brother were killed in the same mine explosion. And, you know, they were very, very close, my mother and Bud. And they were very close, and their relationship was such that she kind of like had everything around Bud. And the rest, you know, she was older and had all the younger kids, siblings. But it was her and Bud that were the team. (laughs) They were the kind that were the kindred spirit, as it were. They were best friends as brothers and sisters. And whenever he was killed, you know, it just kind of, my mom, she always talked about that day and always talked about how that this affected her life and how much she missed Bud. Well, in our life, and Bud was married and had a little child. And my, I think the child was, she was pregnant whenever, the, whenever he was killed and my mother took them in. <laughs> my mom and dad would always take people into their house. And we had a big farmhouse and 
one half of the house was somebody was always in there and it wasn't me, you know. <laughs> it was either uh, relatives that were out of work or hardships had gone on, they would bring them in. My mom would always bring in foster children. I mean, we had like 16, I think, foster kids and we had two that stayed with us for 10, 12 years and they were almost like, you know, considered my mom their mom. So when you look at the idea of, of, of a mother, you look at how that this mother of Jesus, understood something deep within her heart about her son. And I think for, for mothers, it's a matter of understanding something deep within us that within you that is different than anyone else. Because it is that part of who you are that is birthed in the, in, in the child that is your child. And you, you have a, an understanding of, of life, perhaps, that is different than other people's understanding of life. And it is there because it is an understanding of God and the heart of God, how that the heart of God longs for his children, all of us, to be able to sense his presence and to sense the goodness of God and the love of God that is there even when things are not what they should be. And so Mary, whatever he says to you, do it. So there's this, there's this understanding, I guess, in our hearts that our spiritual lives that God is telling to us Whatever he says to you, do it. You know, that's God's word to us. It'd be like my mother's advice. <laughs> okay, mom, you know. <laughs> my mom, would, she would come and she would say, well, what are you going to preach on today? And she'd call up and she'd say, what, would, what do you speak on? I'd say this. And she'd say, let me talk to Rhonda. Because <laughs> Rhonda would give her the, all the details of the sermon and I would give her the title. You know, it was this. Okay, what was the, I don't know, it was just a good sermon. Yeah, it was a good sermon. Let me talk to Rhonda. <laughs> you know, because I was never the detail person unless I'm sitting here. So, in this, in this place of detail, uh, where this, this wedding is going to be uh, forever marred in a community, and, and again, if you, you don't have a telephone, you don't have a telegraph, and you don't have a paper, all you have is gossip. <laughs> and gossip can be whatever, any, whatever anybody says it is. And Jesus does this miracle. He does it in, as it were, in the quiet. There's no fanfare. There's no, let's, okay, people, we've got a problem here. <laughs> there's no wine, but don't worry, I can fix this. <laughs> there's none of that. There's just... In secret, they're going to run out. The family's going to be in a crisis. This young couple is forever going to have this scar upon their, their wedding day. Jesus, can you, can you do something? And then she turns and says, whatever he says to you, do it. Now, this is where our faith comes in. God speaks to our hearts. And, and sometimes he, he speaks to us in ways that you know, we're looking for the miraculous. Okay, God, let there be my name spelled in the clouds as I look across. Then I'll know that's you. <laughs> I liked what one guy said. When you see a camel walking down Main Street, you'll know that God wanted you to do this. <laughs> There's no camel on Main Street. All right, so not in the U.S. generally. So, But the idea is, there were six jars, there were six water pots set for the Jewish custom of purification. So there were 20 to 30 gallons each of six jars. Now, how much wine can these people drink? Jesus, you did too much. <laughs> 
You know, you, you, know, you could have cut it down. You know, we don't believe in alcoholism. <laughs> we don't believe in drinking. Jesus, you, you made six jugs of 20, at least 20 gallons. 20 times six is 120 gallons of wine. Jesus, <laughs> what are you doing? Well, what Jesus did was he bypassed, I don't know how long it takes to make wine, but it generally takes at least a year. And if you want the really good stuff, I guess it takes many years. And if you go to buy a wine that's a bottle of wine that's 100, 100 years old, you got to pay thousands of dollars. Jesus, in this moment, went through that whole process and changed water into some of the best wine that these people had ever tasted. You say, well, what does that have to do? Well, look at the process of who you are. Jesus, in a short period of time, has taken what would take years to accomplish, and he's turned you around on the inside. He's given you a heart and a mind that has a perception and understanding of God. He's given you a place in your heart where you can, where you can pray, where you can ask God without, without question that he is your best friend and he talks to you and you talk to him because you look at his word and God, you said, <laughs> you said if we confess our sins, my sin is completely gone. That's what you told me. My friend, Christ, has totally washed away my sin. God, you said if we would seek your face, God, you would hear our prayers. You would restore. You would bless. God, thank you for hearing my prayers. Thank you, O oh God, that I can be attuned to your blessing. <laughs> you know, whenever we uh, sold our house, um, you know, I, I, sometimes I just like made up our mind, this is what we felt, what I, we, felt we should do, and we, put it on, we got it ready and put it on the market, and four days later it was sold. So, um, people said, wow, that was really the hand of God. Well, I should be saying that, but I don't want to be bragging. <laughs> well, you know, God did this for us. I don't know about you poor people, but he did this for me. <laughs> but that's not how it works. <laughs> God did this for me. He can do anything for you. <laughs> so, when God does something for us, it isn't that we are in an exclusive club. We are in a position where all of us are in that God can do anything that he wants and any way he wants in our hearts and he puts it in our heart and he can even turn water into wine in less than, in less than, in less than the time it takes to fill the jug and dip it out and give it to somebody. You see, God isn't limited by time. He's not limited he doesn't work in chance. He works in, in, in his own timetable, which can be in the moment, in the instant, in the years, in, in, all, all, in a lifetime. He is, he is working in us in a way that it is miraculous and he can turn, he can take that which would take years to happen, he can turn it around in a moment. And so here it is that he tells them, Jesus said to them, fill the water pots with water. So they filled them, up with the, filled them up to the brim. So just as soon as they filled them up to the brim, he says, okay, take the picture and give it, take a picture, picture of that and serve it. Draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. <laughs> so they listened. Now, 
Who knows about this miracle? Just the people who filled the pots. That's about it. We don't know that Mary's standing around watching him. Did you listen? Did, did, he, what, did, did he tell you to do this? <laughs> it's not questioning whether Jesus told them what to do. She just trusts him to do. <laughs> In our lives. Hey, God, could you, could you, could you, could you, you know, do I fill this up with water? Okay, how full? Well, how full do you want it? Well, I don't know. How much can you change in a moment? <laughs> can you change a little bit or a lot? Can you change all six or do I just need to fill one? You know? So we start looking for the ex- God, take what you got and fill it up. Take what you have and fill it up. So Jesus says, fill it up with water. They fill it up with water. He says, okay, draw it out and take it to the head waiter. Okay. Blind obedience. <laughs> I'm just giving to them water. My, are they going to get mad at me? When the head waiter tasted the water which had become wine and did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew, the head waiter called the bridegroom. Now, can you imagine what's going through the, the, the servants? Uh-oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're the ones that's going to be in trouble here because we gave that, we filled it up with water and we gave them water and we did it because of him. They were ready to blame Jesus. <laughs> that guy over there in the corner, he's the one who told us to just give you water. Well, he said to him, every man serves the good wine first and when people have drunk freely, then he serves the poor wine, but you have kept the good wine until now. You see, when God takes charge of something and, and blesses something, everything changes. You see, I, I, I think of, um, well, at the Last Supper, he breaks bread and he gives it to his disciples. And then after his crucifixion and resurrection, he travels with the two to Emmaus and they go into their home. And while they're sitting there and Jesus is sitting around the table and they don't recognize him, he breaks bread and they see him. You see, in the ordinary things of life, God is touching it God is touching your ordinary things so what is the miracle that you need what is the miracle that is like the third part removed it really has something to do with you but nothing to do with you it has everything to do with you but nothing to do with you (laughs) because they ran out of wine and Jesus is removed from the situation but it, it has everything to do with his presence because he received the need and he came and gave directions for the very ordinary and then he blessed it. This beginning of his signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested his glory and the disciples believed in him. (laughs) You see, Jesus has a way of doing things in our life that enables us to see him more clearly. And one other story, and and it's in 2 Kings chapter 4. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord, and the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. So here's a woman whose husband is a priest unto God, and she goes to Elijah, and she's telling Elijah, You know what? My, my children, my, my husband deserves something more than what we got. But 
and, and we have this great debt. He gave his life to serving you when we have this great debt and my children are going to be taken as slaves. You've got to do something. And Elijah said unto her, what shall I do for you? Now, in the working of a miracle, what is it that you want? You see, what is it that you want? What is it that you need? What is it that you're looking at that says, this needs to be wine, this needs to be gold, this needs to be... You see, we, if we look at what it is and we say, God, this, I need this in my life, Elijah does the same thing. Mary came to Jesus and said, can you do something? You know, we need, there's wine, it's gone, and there's a, there's a problem here. What can you do? This woman comes to Elisha, and he says to Elisha, and, and, you know, that my children are going to be taken. My two sons are going to be slaves. And Elisha says, well, what shall I do for you? And he said, tell me, what do you have in your house? What do you have? <laughs> you know, when Moses was called to be the leader, and, and, he said, Mo, and God says to him, what's in your hand? Well, none but a rod, you know, what good is a dead old stick thrown on the ground? became a snake. Pick it up again. It became a rod. God almost always asks us, what's in your hands? What is within your ability to do? Well, and he said, thy handmaid had not anything in the house. There isn't anything in my house that's worth anything except I have a little pot of oil. Hmm. Then he said, go borrow these vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, every, even empty vessels, borrow not a few. This is, I think, this is the only time in Scripture where the, the, the size of the miracle is, is, de, is determined by the number of pots the person is willing to go get. You see, when we look at something and we say it's not enough, and God says, go get something else, and we're going to fill, we're gonna, you don't know what we're going to do with it, but I want you to go get as many vessels as possible. We would be calling Home Depot and Lowe's. <laughs> I want a tractor trailer load, and I want it now, <laughs> because God is going to do something with my little pot. You know, no, we'd say, well, you know, I can go get a picture from my mother and a neighbor and whatever. Okay, here's three little pots. What, what are we going to do now? <sighs> Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. Now, this is what I want you to do. I want you to close the door. Why? Do you know how many people are going to tell you you're crazy? Do you know how many people are going to know, what are you going to do with all them pots? What are you going to do with all that? <laughs> You got that little pot and you're pouring it into that big one? How dumb are you? <laughs> Don't you know that 10 ounces equals 10 ounces? <laughs> you know, it doesn't work that way. But you do what God has to say and look at what you have and believe that God can multiply the five loaves and two fish because he knows the need and he knows what you have and he wants to make a difference. Hmm. So you see, so she went in, shut the door, 
and, 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 and upon her sons and who brought the vessels to her and she poured it out. So everything she had, she started filling them up. And it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said unto her sons, bring me more. <laughs> bring me more vessels. Well, there's no more in the house, mom. Well, go get some. You know, we didn't bring enough. Well, not really, but you know, they were all full. And, it, and he said unto thee, there is not a vessel more and the oil stayed. The size of the miracle was determined by the number of pots that she got. And how big of a miracle do we need? <laughs> Last week we spoke about don't put new wine in old wineskins because it doesn't go there. Our, our need of our life, you need to look at life differently than you did yesterday. That's the old wineskins. Don't put the old into the new. There's a new understanding that God is bringing to your heart. A mother knows what's going on in the need of her child. God knows what's going on in the need of our lives. And he wants to bless us and he wants to take what we have. You got water, you got pots filled up. Let's see what we can do with that. You've got a little pot of oil. Go get as many containers as you want and fill them up. And then she said, and it goes out, and then she came and told the man of God. So she shut the door. When it was all full, she came out and she told the man of God. And he said, go sell the oil and pay thy debt and live thou and thy children off the rest. <laughs> you know, take what you got, sell it, and make it work. And we'll make it work with you. That's God. Taking what is good, taking that which is there. What's in your hands? What is the need that we have? Now ask God how can I do this? How can I do this great thing with this little that I have? Don't worry. God's in charge. And did you know whenever he changed the water into wine, there was no prayer? There was no stopping of everything? There was only walking in obedience and everything changed. Hmm. That's us. Walk in obedience and everything will change. Let's stand, shall we? So, Father, we thank you that we walk in obedience to your word <laughs> and whatever you, whatever you say to us, Lord, let us do it. <laughs> whether it's to pray for the great miracles or whether it's the third person removed and seeing the need in someone else, God, you move us to touch them. So thank you. Thank you for meeting our needs. Thank you, O oh God, for changing our hearts and our lives. And God, as we walk in obedience with you, everything changes. Forgive us of every sin. Live within our hearts. May our hearts and minds be receptive to your will and your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.